0: And you all can't maybe can't see all that's happening, but as Luann and I walked in here today, we could tell that there is a a unique spirit about this place, and God is really doing some exciting things, and we are very excited for you. And so we continue to pray for you, and uh, we pray for your pastor and his dear family and the leadership team here. Luann and I are excited to come to the. Couples retreat in May. We're looking forward to that, and sharing with those with you who come to that as well, and to see what God does there. I just want to share one other thing about the um, the game tonight to get us really to get us into our passage of scripture today. Uh, if you would turn to Matthew chapter 26, you know later today there is this going to be there's going to be this football game. And uh, those of you who are sports fans know that um, the players have gone through a process all year long. And later today, there's going to be a game. Believe it or not, with everything else that's been going on, there actually is going to be a game that is going to be played. And there are players on both teams who have dedicated their lives, who have trained themselves, physically, mentally, emotionally. And we who were Eagles fans are really excited to see that within the team, there is a strong group of Christians, several of whom want to become pastors after their football, seat, their football career is over. Isn't that exciting? But all of these athletes have been training themselves for this, point that's going to take place later today. And whoever has trained themselves the best, whatever team is the best prepared, is going to be the team that is victorious. And it really comes to a point, yes, it's almost a point of crisis tonight, whenever the whistle blows and the kickoff takes place and the game begins. What I want to share with you today is something somewhat similar to that, but I believe it's something that every one of us as Christians has either experienced in our lives, or if we haven't experienced in our lives, it's something that we need to experience in our lives. And that is this I'm calling this the Gethsemane moment. For me, um, Some of you are aware that I have gone through a transition. I am no longer the regional director of Mission Mid-Atlantic. The end of January, I finished my role. Um, It it ended up good. It ended up well. Uh, The last thing I did was to go out to California to meet with our other regional directors. And and my relationship is really good with the the board and the team that is there. Uh, Ron and I are still best buds, you know, those of you who know Ron. Some, uh, someone said that I wish Ron had been here today and brought his sword back with him. Some of you remember that message. Um, Ron is a dear friend, and so are others, and so we're on a, a good relationship, and I look forward to working with them. But I've gone through a transition. Um, but I also have gone through something that I want to share with you just a little bit this morning. I don't have a lot of time to do this. Maybe this is something we can unpack at our Couples retreat. If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, I would like to read for you uh, these verses. And I'm calling this message the Gethsemane Moment. And I will explain it in the time that we have this morning. At least a little bit. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. This is what the passage says. And then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word today. What I'd like to do is to share with you in the moments that we have and right before our communion time, what what I'm calling are four characteristics of the Gethsemane moment. And these are things that maybe some of you have already gone through. If not, they may be things that you may go through down the road. But by the way, let me define the Gethsemane moment for you here. Just as Jesus, on three occasions, as we just read in the garden, prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. I think there are times in life when we are called to go through a similar crisis experience. What was Jesus Christ's experience? What was happening on the very next day? His crucifixion. And so here he is in the garden. Do you think that's something that he wanted to go through? I don't think that was something he was looking forward to. But yet we do have a passage of Scripture in the New Testament that says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Can you imagine that? Real Looking at that experience of the cross and saying, for the joy that was set before him. Now notice it didn't say for the, for the happiness that was set before him. It wasn't something that he was happy about, but he was joyful because he knew he was fulfilling his Father's will. You see, I think you and I, every one of us who are believers, need to come to this kind of a crisis point in our spiritual lives, of where we will once and for all say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. For you see, I think this is why many of our churches are struggling today, because I believe, and it's just my humble opinion from the, uh, the churches that I've observed, yes, our churches are filled with good people. But you know what? I think they also are filled with people who are Christians, who know that they're going to heaven, but yet are not living like You see, we know we have our ticket paid to heaven, and we know that Jesus is our Savior, but I wonder if He truly is the Lord of our lives. And so let me share with you this morning, very quickly in the time that we have, these four characteristics of the Gethsemane moment. And this is the Gethsemane moment. The Gethsemane moment for you and I is this. It's when you and I realize that like Jesus, we must decide to die to self and to live to Him. That is essentially what the Gethsemane moment is. And the Gethsemane moment can have it can happen in any one of many different ways, but it really boils down to a point of crisis when I realize I no longer can live to myself. I must accept God's will for my life. The first thing I'd like for you to, to notice about the Gethsemane moment is this: that the Gethsemane moment is something that defines. These last couple of weeks, we've been hearing a lot of hype about previous Super Bowls, moments in time that have defined football players. I'm really excited that we had two Eagles that were uh, inducted, I believe, into the NFL Hall of Fame last, last night. One of them is Brian Dawkins. Brian Dawkins is an awesome guy. The other was Theo. Theo a little bit of a different player. Uh, we're not really too excited about the time that he spent with the Eagles. It was uh, kind of interesting. But Brian Dawkins was very different. Brian Dawkins was a, a really fine Christian. But he had his moments as an eagle that were his defining moments on the field. In the same way, for you and I as Christians, our Gethsemane moment is something that defines us. You see, it's a moment that's never ex- invited. It's not usually not expected but it's a time that you are required to make a decision and that decision is something that defines your life you see for many our lives have been never have never been defined by a moment like this for many of us we try to live the good christian life that is free from controversy You know, we just want to be good Christians, don't stir up the water, you know, try to make everybody happy, and kind of sail through life, kind of like that. But is that really what God calls us to? I, I don't think so. You see, the Gethsemane moment, when it happens, it's a disruptor. It's something that forces change. Your life is forever changed by your Gethsemane moment. I don't know about you, but I don't usually handle interruptions well. You know, and I guess as I'm getting older, I'm, uh, it's becoming harder to handle interruptions. You, you know, those of you who are getting older, you know what that means. You know, like we like to plan our day and something happens and it's totally thrown off. And you get to the end of the day and you realize you haven't accomplished anything that you set out to do that day because your day was filled with interruptions. That's what a Gethsemane moment is, only amplified. Um, Many leaders have been defined by those kinds of disruptions. I've just listed a few here. You think of President Bush on 9-11. That was his defining moment, wasn't it? Uh, Winston Churchill Some of us are a little bit more mature here. We remember Winston Churchill. He was largely defined by how he handled the run-up to the First World War. Many also remember how President Reagan handled his defining moment when he challenged, remember when he challenged Gorbachev, what did he say, tear down this wall, remember that? That was a defining moment for him. We also have similar defining moments in the Bible. Noah was defined by by what? By building the ark. Jonah was defined by running from God and getting swallowed up by a fish. And then complaining whenever God removed the board, you know, his shade. Adam was defined by listening to his wife. No, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, moving on we'll save that for the marriage retreat as well. Moses was defined by how he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. For each of us, the Gethsemane moment is our defining moment. And there's one other thing I want to share about this and then move on to the second thing. A defining a, a Gethsemane moment, that defining moment is something what you choose in that Gethsemane moment is something that defines how you will follow up and make it really defines your future actions. Think of Joseph. Remember Joseph? He was in the house of Pharaoh. He had free reign in Pharaoh's entire house, except for what? His wife. And Pharaoh's wife began to chase him around the house. And what did Joseph say? Nope. You know, the Pharaoh trusts me with everything, and he trusts me with you as well. How can I do this sin? and sin against God. You see, that was Joseph's defining moment. And it got him in trouble because he chose to obey God and he was thrown in prison because of her accusations. You see, that was his defining moment and the way he chose that, made that decision defined his future decisions as well. So I just want to encourage you this morning, wherever you are, if you are in the midst of a Gethsemane moment, Remember that this is a defining moment for you. And how you handle that will determine your future path as well. But not only is the Gethsemane moment a defining moment for you and I, but it also deconstructs you. Now what does that mean? To deconstruct means, (coughs) excuse me, it tears you apart. It tears down everything that you have ever known. You see, until this moment, life is all about you. And then when you encounter your Gethsemane moment, it begins to break you down. It dismantles you. It causes you to evaluate and reevaluate everything about your life. It changes the course of your life. One of my side gigs is... Um, I know you. It probably surprises you to hear this, but is a uh, a fitness coach. I I uh, work out and I try to eat healthy. And Luann and I drink a shake every day, and it's a healthy thing. And we try to do this kind of thing. And I know I really don't look like it, but I work out on a regular basis. You know, I wish I had the. I picked up Fletcher Cox and took him to the airport. One of my other sidekicks is driving a limo and. I wish I looked like Fletcher Cox for the Eagles, but um, he is huge. I'm not huge. Okay, so that may surprise you, but but one of my favorite coaches, his name is Sagi Kaleb, and he uh, he's created the Body Beast fitness program. And uh, and what he talks about in this program is he uses something called dynamic dynamic set training. And in this dynamic set training, what it does is it tears down your muscles and rebuilds them so that they can become stronger. That's what God does with us in a Gethsemane moment. He tears us down. Our life gets torn apart sometimes so that God can rebuild us in a way that is stronger and ultimately healthier for us. We don't have a lot of time to look into this, but just for an example, can you think of someone in the Bible whose life was deconstructed? How about Job? His life was deconstructed, wasn't it? God slowly deconstructed everything in his life. Took all of his stuff away, took his family away, and then took his health away so that God can teach him what God wanted to teach The Gethsemane moment deconstructs us. The third thing that it does is, and this is really, really uplifting, and I'm sure you're really glad to hear this today. The Gethsemane moment often destroys you. Now what do I mean by that? You see, once you go through your Gethsemane moment, you will never be the same. Because your life is totally changed. Your life sometimes is crushed. You will never return to life as it has been. Everything is different about life. It's like a hurricane. I know you all know what that's like when a hurricane blows through. Life is really never the same. It hasn't been really the same after Hurricane Sandy, has it? You know, life changed in this area after that event hit. That's life. A Gethsemane moment. And we see that was true of Job's life. Because Job, his body was attacked and his life, his health was destroyed. You know, we live in an era when uh, suicide is considered an alternative for many. And unfortunately, sometimes when people get to this point in their life, they think about taking their life because they're in despair. And what I find interesting about the life of Job is he never, as you read through the book of Job, you never read of him. Well, yes, he despaired of his life. He despaired of the day of his birth. But it doesn't say that he considered suicide. In fact, one commentator says this. Note that despite his despair, Job does not consider suicide. Life is a gift from God. Despite his anguish, Job makes no attempt to end the life that he has been given. What a great affirmation of faith for those who contemplate taking their lives. Those who struggle on may very well merit more reward than those who have never plunged into despondency or known the torment of despair. A couple years ago, I started something we called the Hope Podcast with my son. We interviewed many, many people, many Christians who... uh, thought about committing suicide. And some of them, one of them in particular, tried three different times. In fact, as he told his story, it was the one podcast that we had to put a warning on it because of language. Because as he described what he went through, he could only use some profanity. That was the only way he could describe how his life, what his life was like as he went through that time. Three times he tried to take his life. Today this young man is married and he his life is like it never was before. He eventually came to the place of where he found hope and his hope was in the gospel. It wasn't in anything else. It wasn't in the drugs he tried. It wasn't in the other stuff he tried. Even though he tried three times unsuccessfully, God brought him through his Gethsemane moment and he now is living a life that he is happy. Uh, he's one of my friends on Facebook and Instagram. And Instagram, and, and it's great to see how God has filled him with hope now. So I just want to encourage you, if you are one of those people today who is going through that dark valley, and that is something that you are considering, please remember that there is hope. There are people who care. There are people who can help. And I would be glad to talk with you with you and to help you in any way that i can because there is an alternative to taking your life and that's to be that's to find our hope in the gospel the fourth thing that i want to share very quickly is this yes the gethsemane moment defines us it deconstructs us it even destroys us but it leads to resurrection it leads to resurrection which by the way is the story of nick bold Light is our quarterback tonight. Are you aware of that? Are you aware that he hit the point of where he went away camping and he considered quitting football? And he decided that God was leading him to go back and try one more time. Do you think God would let him lose tonight and not finish out that story? <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve, but I don't, it just does not make sense to me how God would do that. And I see we have another. There are two of you here. Sally, Ken, I'm oh my heart is crushed. Oh. But I digress. The Gethsemane moment leads to resurrection. You see, until up until this moment it's it's been discouraging, but but as we go back to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, yes. His decision to follow God's will led to the cross, didn't it? But the story didn't end there because God had the rest of the story in mind. And the resurrection took place three days later. And we see what came out of that, the hope of salvation that we have. Because Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty and that is something that I believe is repeated every time some one of us goes through our Gethsemane moment. You see, it begins by you and all, you and I deciding to die to self and to all that it entails, so that we can know the resurrection. But, but I want you to remember this: that, that the Gethsemane moment is not just rebuilding your old life over again. And the Gethsemane moment for a church, because churches go through this as well, the Gethsemane moment for a church is not just rebuilding an old church. That's not what God has in mind. You know the uh, new wine and the old wineskins. That's not what God has in mind. Because when God brings the church through a point of crisis of where the the people in the church discovered that they need to die to themselves and live to God's plan. When God does something, he he brings new life. It's a a real resurrection that takes place. And the same thing is true for you and me as well. If you've never done so, I'd encourage you to read the book of Job because the book of Job ends really in a really exciting way. In the end, After Job is healed, and by the way, he prays for his friends, Uh, in the end, Job is restored. Job becomes even more wealthy. He has many more children who grow to be adults. And he lives a long life. You see, that was his Gethsemane moment. And God brought him through. God deconstructed him. God destroyed his life and gave him new life. Gethsemane was the path to resurrection for Jesus. Yes, there was the crucifixion as he embraced God's will for his life. He died to himself and to his own life. He endured the cross and gave up his life. And God has the same plan for you and for me. So there may be someone here today who's going through an experience of where you were seeing that your dream is dying. Whatever that dream has been, It's been a dream that you have given your whole life to. Yet you see that God is somehow ending that dream. And you wonder what God has next for you. I encourage you to see it through the lens of a Gethsemane moment. That yes, you and I may sometimes have to die to our dreams. And die to ourselves. And embrace what God has rest. You see, projects die all the time. Businesses fail all the time. Churches close. Marriages fail. They all have one thing in common. Those dreams have died. But do you walk away from your dream? Do you give up? Or do you come to Jesus and say, okay, this is where I am. What do you have planned for? There is something that I'm sure you have for me. Please reveal your will to me. I encourage you to do that, if that's where you are today. I have a feeling that that's what God is doing in this church right now. God is doing a new thing. There are some things here that are dying. Maybe they're programs that need to die. You know? I know I'm getting closer to dying. Not quite yet. But, um, you know, still here. So, God obviously has something for us. But maybe there's some things that need to die so that God can resurrect His work and do a new thing. Because, you know, Luann and I noticed as we drove here this morning, there are a whole lot of people who live around here who need the gospel. How are they going to hear? unless we take the gospel to them. Whatever your Gethsemane moment is, I encourage you with this. A Gethsemane moment is God's story. You see, until we die to self, we're living our story. I don't think God wants us to live our story. I think God wants to live His story through us. And that's what the gospel So I would encourage you with that. I'm going to continue that thought as we now move into the um, time around the Lord's table. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the men to come forward as we we now um, bring our attention to the Lord's table. I read for you earlier the um, what took place in the Garden of Gethsemane as i I 'm doing this study i've been actually living in this study for the last year, and i 'm writing a little manuscript. maybe it'll end up maybe it'll turn into a book someday. maybe I can send some free copies to you all, you know to say at least some people took the book you don 't even have to buy it i 'll give them to you. But it was very interesting, right before Gethsemane, Jesus spent some time with his disciples. Do you remember that? And uh, he predicted that Peter was going to deny him. What did Peter say? I'm not going to deny you. I am going to be with you always. And the text says, and the other disciples said the same thing, didn't they? But what happened right after that? First of all, they fell, some of them fell asleep on him. You know, I'm going to be with you, Jesus. And then he comes back from praying, and there they are snoring. Can you imagine that? What a downer that was. And then, yes, and a little while later, they scattered. As they thought about that, you know, gee, they gave Jesus their empty promises. Do you realize that? Their promises were empty promises. As we come to this time around the Lord's table today, and um, I assume this is the second time you gather around the Lord's table in this new year, I would encourage you to give this some thought. As you are thinking about living what God has planned for you in this year, don't give Jesus your empty promises. Because that's not what he deserves, does he? He deserves all of us, doesn't he? He doesn't deserve our empty promises. So as the elements are being distributed this morning, I would encourage you to give that thought. You know, God, I, I realize you kept your promises in the garden. That's what you were doing. You were keeping your promises and saying, You were going to follow your father's will, even though it meant giving your life and shedding your blood for us. You kept your promises to us, to me. Help me to i ask the gentleman to come up and one of them will be giving thanks for the, the bread and then we'll distribute the elements and then we'll hold them and eat together and then the same with the cup. So, brother, would you pray for the bread? Dear Lord, we can't thank you enough for your dying on the cross for us, Lord. Your Gethse- Gethsemane moment, as was mentioned today. Thank you for your body which you've sacrificed for us so that we might be here today representing saved individuals. We just ask now that you'll bless this time together. Bless us as we partake of these elements. let's see together ask the brother here pray for the cup Lord Jesus we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for your anticipation of the joy of what was awaiting you after that sacrifice. But you knew what you had to endure. You did it for us with love, and we accepted the gracious gift of your sacrifice, the shedding of your blood that washes our sins. We thank you in Jesus' name. And let's drink together. Father, this morning, we very quickly looked at a very significant reality and truth. That each one of us, through this life, struggle with self. Lord, too often, self is on the throne of our lives. It is self that is driving our decisions. It is self that is destroying our relationships. It is self that is ruining our testimony. Because when people see our lives, they don't see Jesus, they see us. And I can't answer for anyone else in this room this morning, but only for myself. But I pray for each one that whatever it is that is driving self, that each one of us would come to the place of where we would die to self. And yes, Lord, we realize that that is something that needs to happen on a daily basis so that you, through your Spirit, can reign in our lives. So I pray this for each of us. I pray this for this church may Jesus reign as the Lord of our lives personally and as the Lord of this church. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.